it's Brandi Taylor. Welcome to the Business Beauty Network Podcast, where business meets beauty. It's not just lipstick, it's business. We will share thought-provoking conversations with business and beauty professionals. Our goal is to empower, motivate, and inspire you to take your business to the next level. Hey everyone, it's Brandy. I hope you're enjoying this podcast as much as I absolutely enjoy bringing this awesome content to you. Look, beauty professionals, this show is for you. And I want to make sure we can continue to bring our awesome guests and awesome information to help empower the beauty community all over the world. You can help by doing your part in making a small donation. You can check our link in the show notes and donate right on Anchor, or we'll have another link available for you to do so. Thank you so much for supporting. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and you're sharing it as well. As always, stay great. Hey, hey, it's a new day, a new week, and a new episode of the Business Beauty Network podcast. Welcome, welcome. I am super, super excited to share today's episode with you. Happy Monday. Make sure that you are subscribed to the Business Beauty Network podcast wherever you're listening. And also, did you know that we're on YouTube? Yep, Biz Beauty Network is on YouTube, so you can actually watch the episodes live on YouTube at Biz Beauty Network. And don't forget to leave us a review on Apple as a five-star review helps more people find us. Share it as well because sharing is caring. Now that all of that is out of the way, I have a great episode in store, awesome interview with Dr. Michelle Henry. We talked all about Botox and hair loss and skincare and all of those great things. And I think you're really going to enjoy this interview. Before we get into that, I just want to really encourage you to really just stay motivated and to stay on top of your game. We're in the last quarter of the year, so this is a great time to really promote your beauty brand, your beauty services, and your products in a unique way because more people are are spending money, people are excited, um, people are getting out more, people are shopping more. You know, after going through the last two years, people are, you know, in a mind to spend money. So this is a great time to make sure that you're promoting anything that specials that you have for the holiday, any packages and all of those things. So I am encouraging you just to keep going, keep it moving. It's the fourth quarter. You can really still make a huge impact on your business this year. And I want to help you do this just that. I actually opened up my Beauty Biz Marketing Bootcamp. So you can visit my website at iambrandytaylor.com forward slash bootcamp to learn more about that. So I want to make sure that you check that out. But now that all of that is out of the way, I just encourage you to keep working on yourself each and every day. Because as one of my favorite quotes says, is that people often say that motivation doesn't last. Well, neither does bathing. That's why we recommend it daily. That's why Zig Ziglar. So you want to make sure that you are cleaning yourself daily and you're cleaning your mind and filling your mind with positivity daily. So let's get into today's episode. Here is the bio. Dr. Michelle Henry is a board certified dermatologist and dermatologic surgeon. She is currently a clinical instructor of dermatology at Well Cornell Medical College. Dr. Henry is the founder of Skin and Aesthetic Surgery of Manhattan and the Henry Research Group. 
She practices micrographic surgery, laser surgery, and cosmetic surgery. I think you're really going to enjoy this interview, and here it goes. Hey, hey, welcome to the podcast. It's your host, Brandi Taylor. We have an awesome guest today, Dr. Michelle Henry. Welcome, Dr. Michelle. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being on today. So before we learn more about you and all the awesome things you're doing with your business, tell us something about yourself that most people would not know. So I will say that I work a lot and I do a lot of social media around my work. Um, and so I think that some might think I'm work, work, work and no play, um, but I actually do like having fun. I'm a little bit silly. Um, and when I'm not in the office, I try to take kind of a lighthearted approach to most things, um, which I think most people that don't really know me think that I'm very uptight and unbuttoned up. And, um, you know, I'm a Texan, so I like to have fun sometimes. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that. I think especially because you're a doctor, people probably like, oh, she's a doctor. So she's very yeah. serious. Yeah. Well, doctors have to have a little fun too, you know, Definitely. keeps you healthy. Right. Doctors are people too, right? <laughs> uh, so well, thanks for sharing that. So tell us your beauty story. I know you're into skincare and you're a dermatologist now, but you know, how did you begin this journey? Um, so, you know, I always knew I was going to be a doctor. So my mom is a nurse and um, she took me to take your daughter to work day. Uh, and I remember I was being with the nurses, but I always saw this little group with their white coats on in their huddle. And I just couldn't keep my eyes out off of them. I was interested in what was going on there. Um, and I told my mom, I think I want to be in that circle. Um, so she went over to the doctors and she told them, hey, I think she's interested in being a doctor. Can she hang out with you guys? Um, they gave me like a little baby white coat and they gave me a stethoscope. And that was it. From that day, I, I knew I wanted to be a doctor. And I was always really inclined towards medicine. I was the kid that loved reading them. So um, I was always inclined in that way. Um, and then when I was around eight, my god aunt, who kind of grew up with me as a grandmother, passed of breast cancer. And they found it too late. So she knew that there was not much that she could do. Um, but so she knew she had maybe about six months to live. And in that six months, she basically kind of gave me a master class on life. I would sit on her knee and she would tell me, this is what you do. This is what career we're going to have. And she just gave me a masterclass on life for which I'm so grateful. Um, but we decided that I would be a breast cancer surgeon and that was it. I was going to be a breast cancer surgeon until I got to medical school and realized that, um, I am in a classic empath and, um, I found it very difficult to live day in and day out on the oncology floors. Um, and so I knew that it would probably take more of me than I could give. And I wouldn't be able to give as much because it would take so much out of me. Um, so my very first mentor was um, a Mohs surgeon, which is a skin cancer surgeon. And I love the fact that I could cure the cancer, the patient remains awake. And then there's the artistic side of reconstructing the area where you created the defect. Um, and so I really enjoyed that and that was it. And my mentor told me that, you know, Mohs surgery is a subset of dermatology. So you have to like that. That was my second rotation and then I was sold. So I didn't enter it into it thinking I would have the career that I have now. I never thought that I would be doing aesthetics. I thought I was going to be a hardcore skin cancer surgeon and that's it. Um, but, you know, life takes you in different directions. Yes. Yeah, interesting. You never know uh, what direction you'll go in. And I was going to ask you that. that was my next question. Like, how did you decide on your field? So, yeah. So it looks like, you know, during that, you discovered that dermatology and aesthetics was the way to go. Yeah. Yeah. So take us along your journey and everything, have how you've been building um, your career up and everything and how's everything been going? You know, it's been great. You know, um, when I first started, I did my fellowship in Boston and then came back to New York 
and join one of the larger aesthetic practices in the city. And so I had um, not many patients because I was new, but I had a lot of time. And so I used that time to kind of work on, um, you know, building patient relationships, um, understanding what about the resonated with my patients, um, finding ways to bring more patients into the office. Um, and that really worked for me. You know, I realized that a lot of my patients would say, you seem like our very good friend who also um, happens to be very smart. And so I knew that what helped my patients feel comfortable with me was that I felt approachable, I felt accessible, I felt like someone they could talk to and feel safe with and trust. And so I leaned into that and I started doing some social media and teaching via social media. And that really helped to bring patients into the office. Um, but that's how I started. And you know, working with companies and doing research with companies helped to kind of raise my esteem in those areas. And um, then taking that knowledge that I learned from working with these companies and lecturing um, helped to um, strengthen my esteem in the industry um, and so I've been doing that for about you know, 10 years now. So you started off kind of educating? Yeah, that? teaching, lecturing, um, you know, teaching my colleagues. Um, and so that helps to kind of raise your esteem throughout the entire industry because, you know, it's one thing to do it. It's another thing to teach it. And I think teaching it is the, the, uh, the highest form of excellence because you really have to understand the best protocols to teach. Um, and so I think being a teacher is really one of the most important things. So you were educating like your patients and or people that may have be interested in, you know, your experts. My colleagues. Yeah, yeah. My, oh, patients your colleagues. and my colleagues. Okay, yeah. patients and your colleagues. So what are some of, I know you probably came in contact with a lot of things, but when you were doing that, were there some common things that you were, common questions or things that people were struggling with that you would get um, to skincare and things like that? Oh, well, the most common things we see in the office are, of course, acne, um, hyperpigmentation, hair loss, eczema, um, you know, rashes that are either contact allergies from ABCDEFG, whatever it might be that one can come into contact with. Um, so those are probably the top things we see in the office that are medical. And then I see a lot of um, cosmetic concerns as well. So those cosmetic concerns are things like... Um, you know, tear trough fillers, so areas that are a little bit sunken, um, you know, a little bit of Botox or those forehead lines. So those are the kind of things that I see a lot of in the office. Yeah. And so I know Botox is something that you specialize in. And there's a lot of misconceptions with Botox because we've seen bad Botox and, or maybe overly done. Mm -hmm. And it, especially amongst, I would say, celebrities, you know, mm -hmm. just to be honest, we've seen, you've seen a lot of things. So sometimes I think Botox get a bad rep. So a lot of times people, you know, won't even share that they've had Botox. Like it's a big myth and secret. So I want to kind of get, as an expert in the field, get your, you know, take on it. Yeah. So I think that, um, you know, Botox gets a bad rep because, um, you see good Botox all the time and um, you don't know that it's there. And so the only Botox you recognize is the bad. And so it kind of filters your eye for the bad stuff. I mean, uh, I, don't, I don't think my Botox looks that bad, right? Um, or my filler, um, because I really try to keep it natural. Um, but th that's the good cases go unnoticed and unacknowledged. And so unfortunately, we get afraid of the bad cases when you're looking at good work every single day. Um, and so I think, but I do think it's becoming more normalized, especially with social media. People are seeing it. Their friends are seeing it. People aren't as quiet. You know, um, people are talking about their work. Doctors are talking about their work. So I think in many ways we're having a renaissance with regards to a lot of these um, procedures because more people are trying it. They're open to it. It's 
it's normalized. Men are doing it, women are doing it, Gen Zers are doing it, baby boomers are doing it. So it's it's really um, having a kind of a rebirth um, uh, because of the normalization of the whole aesthetic space. It's interesting that you say that, but I guess that is what it is. Like we've seen it done badly. So that's what people are associating it with. But it's great that more people are open to it and all different age ranges are, um, you know, getting it as well. So, because I wasn't aware that people like, even at least at Gen Z and everybody else is even exploring it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I have young patients. There are two patients, patients are coming for augmentation which means they want to look better. They maybe want to straighten the nose. They want to augment their chin. You know, they want to make changes that aren't a consequence of aging. Maybe they want fuller lips. And then there are patients who come in um, because they are aging. And so now they want to fill in those deficits. So that captures both the younger patients and the older patients. Mm-hmm. Great, great. And, and um, so I'm, I really appreciate you sharing that because I know there are a lot of myths behind that. So it's just that, like you said, people aren't sharing the good. So there are people out there who's doing it well. And I wouldn't have known you had it, right? Mm-hmm. I guess because it's not- 14 years you know, of it. 14, really? Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't have known that for sure. So uh, skincare is another thing. Like I worked in cosmetic and skincare for a while. And I feel like everybody- has their different viewpoints on it. And it's something that many people struggle with, like the the proper skincare, what's good. And we're always looking for the right products for our skin. So what type of advice could you give for skin, for using proper, proper skincare? Well, you know, it's just about sticking to the fundamentals, you know, a cleanser that's appropriate for your skin type, moisturizers that are appropriate for your skin type each and every day, sunscreen, no matter your skin tone. Um, I love antioxidants for everyone. I consider antioxidants to be kind of like insurance for your sunscreen. They help to protect you against those free radicals that um, get in even when you are wearing good sunscreen to keep you from accelerated aging. Um, And then, you know, at night, if you have any concerns, a great serum for, you know, those targeted concerns. Um, But what's really important is making sure you understand it's not one size fits all. So just because your friend did it online, their skin looks beautiful, doesn't mean it works for you. Um, It's all about knowing your skin type and having someone to guide you who really knows skin um, and skin care to um, really get you to a good place. Do you think when it comes to, you know, being an African-American doctor yourself, do you think that our skin requires a different type of skincare from other nationalities? Um, you know, there are some sensitivities with darker skin types. So, um, you know, in darker skin, we don't always see the redness as soon. So many believe it's not as um, sensitive, but in many ways it's exquisitely sensitive because anything that is too caustic um, can cause hyperpigmentation. Um, and so that is kind of the bane of any person of color's existence because everything from acne to a mosquito bite can cause that. So we're always kind of pretend, pre- preventing against it and using gentle skincare so that we don't get hyperpigmentation. Um, so I think everyone of color should absolutely be on a sunscreen, thinking about ingredients that kind of proactively remove hyperpigmentation. So things like vitamin C are really great to have in your regimen. Things like a retinoid, if we could tolerate it, are great. It's going to help to reduce those dark spots, but also going to help to keep the skin tone even. As like acid is also great. It helps to fight acne, but also helps to keep the skin tone even. Um, so those are all things that I, I think one must consider. And then in the office, I'm always thinking about how do I protect the skin? Because again, although you can't see the redness, uh, because of the heightened risk for hyperpigmentation, 
um, darker skin types are actually exquisitely sensitive. This episode is sponsored by Sterling Hair Solutions. Attention salon owners and hairstylists. The Sterling dryer is the first and only dryer designed specifically for hair extensions. The Sterling dryer cuts drying time in half by leaving your hair feeling soft and renewed. It's on wheels so you can quickly move it around your salon or suite. No more hand drying or hanging hair under the hooded dryer or even putting it in the microwave to process color. This dryer will dry your extensions evenly, it holds multiple bundles, and it has a color processing tray. It also sanitizes the extensions. You can learn more about the Sterling dryer at sterlinghairsolutions.com. That's sterlinghairsolutions.com. More information will be in the show notes. It's interesting that you say that because sometimes I feel like Everything with us, they feel like we have tougher hair, tougher skin, <laughs> and everything. So, and the hair is actually more fragile um, because of the shape of the follicle. You know, it's whereas you know, um, really straight hair, which would be Asian hair, is the straightest, will grow out in just one straight, solid band. Um, but kiki curly hair is more like a ribbon, so it's like a flat ribbon, and every turn, it's prone to breaking. So, although people feel like it's tough, it's actually not. It's actually quite weak. Now, when it comes to hair loss, do you see a lot of patients for that? Like, is that something that a lot of your patients come to you for? That's a huge part of my practice. I'd say over a quarter of my practice is hair loss. Um, there's an epidemic of hair loss, um, especially in the Black community. Um, you know, a lot of the protective styles we do aren't really protective. Um, and then there are a lot of other like genetic and kind of social reasons why um, we're more prone to losing hair in certain ways. Um, so yeah, for sure, I see a ton of hair loss. Now you said um, social reasons. Now I'm familiar with like, you know, some of the hairstyles that we're doing for sure and all of those things, but social reasons. When I say social, that's what I mean. Kind of um, social in terms of like um, our own styling and culture, the things that we liked that we believe, not only that we believe that are beautiful, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so those are more like cultural styling practices and, you know, trends that that we we find beautiful and the beauty of kinky curly hair is that we can do so many things and then there's that's the problem with kinky curly hair because we can do so many things maybe we don't have to do all the things right um at least not all the things all the time because that hair is quite sensitive um so when i say social i kind of mean just um you know cultural mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like the whole edge thing like are you seeing more people losing their edges at all yeah I, I don't know if it's more I think it's a constant issue I mean you know whether it's you know the 90s to now it's as prevalent from you know we like to slick our hair back we we love beautiful braids um we love the versatility of extensions and whatnot and so all of that is um tension on the hair and so um, you know, the follicle is only made to hold the hair that's coming out of it, not additional hair and additional weight, and it tires, you know, um, and with time that chronic inflammation from pulling, pulling, pulling can cause scars, and when that does happen, we may not regrow the hair, um, so we have to be very careful. Do you think that we should try to balance out these styles or eliminate them completely? And it's all about balance. I don't think I would tell anyone to eliminate something that makes them feel beautiful, Um, It's just about finding a way to do it um, safely. 
Great, great. Now you have a research group. So tell us, you were telling me a little bit about that earlier. Tell us about your research group and what you're doing with that. Yeah, so the research group, it's a Henry research group. And the aim of the research group is to increase uh, minority representation in clinical trials. You know, we have all these amazing medications and lasers and fillers and all these things that enter the market. But because um, black and brown people aren't always adequately represented, um, we're kind of learning it in the market, not learning it before. So we're kind of retrofitting these products that were not developed with us in mind. Um, we're retrofitting them on the back end, right? And so we are safer and better when we iron out those kinks in the clinical trials. And we can only do that if we have adequate representation. Um, because of the history of the country, you know, many people of color, obviously, would feel um, hesitant. You know, um, you know, there's been a lot of medicine has done many, many unkind things to people of color. And so with good reason, uh, many are concerned about entering trials. Um, but I think the importance of having a, a principal investigator of color, you know, my patients know that I will, there, there is nothing that could convince me to put them in harm's way, you know. Um, and so because we've established that relationship and that trusting relationship, they're more willing to enter these trials, um, holding a hand of someone who they trust. Um, and, you know, I don't take on trials that I think are risky. You know, I take on trials that I think, A, they're going to benefit from. Um, they're just going to benefit sooner from than people who have to get it after it's been released to the market. So um, I don't bring any trials that I think are going to put a single person at risk. But what they are doing is um, helping to fine tune these treatments that, A, I know are safe um, so that not only can they benefit from it, but in the future, many people can benefit from it. Because when we develop the protocols in my um, in my practice, then the world can use them. And my hope is that you can walk into any office, not just offices with black doctors because there aren't enough of us, right? Mm -hmm. um, but we don't match the, um, you know, 3% of dermatologists are black. What is it, 13 to 14% of Americans are black. There are not enough black dermatologists to see every patient. And if that's the only doctor that you're able to go to, then you're underserved. So my hope is that we can get enough information out there so that everyone can treat black and brown patients safely. Um, and so that's, the part of the trial, the point of the trial I think the, of the group. I think that's phenomenal and um, is very needed because oftentimes I've had these conversations many times where it's hard for us to find things that work for us or, you know, they're not any products for us or things for us. And sometimes it's because they haven't done the research or yeah. tried it on us. So they say it's for everybody, but it's not necessarily for darker yeah. skin tones and things of that nature. So to have the research in place with a doctor that, that is of darker skin tone that can help add it to, you know, doctors all over, I think is phenomenal for sure. Yes. For sure. So what are you excited about? I know you uh, recently added some new things to your practice. So what are you excited about right now? Mm, what am I excited about? I am excited about, um, well, in this moment, I'm excited about I'm going to visit my sister in Qatar. So I'm very excited about that. Um, but I'm excited about, the, you know, the future of the practice. We're bringing on some new doctors and training some new doctors. We're getting some really fun trials that are going to really help a lot of people. Um, we're expanding into skincare, which is really exciting. Um, you know, just starting my own practice. I'm still just on a high. I've worked in the city for 10 years, but now it's my own practice. So I'm able to tailor it to my patients and to myself in the ways that I think are best suited. Um, you know, there's just lots of opportunity and potential on the horizon. So I'm just, every day I'm excited. 
what is something that you want to share with people? Like maybe as, you know, as a doctor that specializes in, you know, hair care and skincare and all of these things, what is something that you would like to share? Um, I would like to share, take care of yourself, you know, um, on the outside and on the inside, you know, when you feel bad, you look bad, you know? Um, so now, you know, I have a lot of people that come in, they're chasing the fillers, Botox and all those things. That's important. I think empowering, we have to also not forget to work on the inside, you know, and make sure that we're taking care of ourselves mentally. Um, because I think there is a tight mind skin interface, um, and, you know, our skin is not its best when our cortisol is high because we're stressed and we're not sleeping and we're, we're not focusing on taking that moment to care for ourselves. Um, so, um, you know, not, for, not forgetting to take care of yourself, you know, all of the external things um, will not, um, you make my job harder on the outside if you're not also working on your inside. Great, great. So one of the things I didn't get a chance to address with you was like COVID hair loss. I've heard a lot about that. Can you share some of yeah. your uh, yeah, tips about that? So COVID hair loss is something called telogen effluvium. Um, and so what happens to the body whenever there's an illness or a stressor or a dramatic weight loss or even emotional like grief can cause it. Um, the hairs go into a rest and then they shed. Um, and COVID can also itself create such inflammation that the hair can shed even sooner. Um, and then we see typically with telogen effluvium, you have this arrest and then like, you know, two, three, four months later, you start to lose hair. But COVID, it can happen even sooner because COVID is causing such robust inflammation that it directly disturbs the follicle. Um, but yeah, that's what happens is you have this, this virus, this illness, your body doesn't consider your hair as critical. Um, so our body will shed those things that are not, are not vital. Um, to focus on all of those things that are vital. Um, and that's kind of how I think of telogen effluvium. It's like you know, our body shedding the excess, you know, the hair and the nails are the two things that will often arrest if we are starving or if we're um, stressed or if our body is under either physical or emotional um, significant stress. Now, when you talk about stress, stress is something that I think a lot of people have been going through the past two years. Mm -hmm. So have you seen a lot of uh, hair loss issues or even skin issues due to major stress over the last two years with your patients? Oh, for sure. We see a ton of hair loss because of that. Um, you know, I think hair loss has gone up significantly um, because of stress, because of uncertainty. People are working from home. They don't know what's going to happen with their jobs. They're worried about their families. You know, we just have heightened anxiety over COVID in general. Um, so, yeah, we've been seeing a lot of a lot of stress, which is why more now, even than I used to, I'm always talking about the importance of self-care and um, thinking about your mental health. Great. I was going to ask you, could you give some tips to help with stress? Well, you know, I am a huge fan of meditation. I love meditation. I love for those of us that are working hard and high achievers, you've got to like carve out in your schedule self-care time the same way you schedule work meetings you know so I have my trainer today from 7 30 to 8 30 and that is carved out on my calendar just as a meeting so I it becomes sacrosanct and I don't compromise it um, and so we have to do that and we have to really believe that you can't pour from an empty cup so a lot of it is burnout you know um, meditation helps with that also and mindfulness is important so that when you do have moments when you're encountered with by stressful situations or you're at a crossroads or at a time when you might feel reactive, um, the practice of mindfulness allows you to kind of center, center yourself and make the best decisions for you. Um, so I'm a huge fan of that. Um, 
you know, and taking taking inventory of life, you know, taking inventory of what makes you feel good and extracting the, extract the things and people that don't make you feel good. So that's important. Awesome. Great advice, Dr. Michelle. Well, tell everybody how they can connect with you and find your practice and everything. Yeah, so I am easy to reach. I um, I practice in Midtown Manhattan. My practice is, if those, those of you who know Manhattan, I'm at 56th and Park, so it's a great location. Um, and so I, that's where I practice every day of the week. Um, you can also find me on social media. I do a lot of social media. My Instagram is at Dr. Michelle Henry. Um, the same for my Twitter, at Dr. Michelle Henry, and my Facebook. You can reach me there. Um, you can learn a lot about me there. Um, and then also, you know, my website, the website for the practice is Skin and Aesthetic Surgery of Manhattan. Um, so you can, you can reach me there too, but I'm easy to access. I try to help and answer when I can. Um, I do not give medical advice on Instagram. So for anyone listening who's in my inbox right now, sending me pictures of your skin, legally, I do not look at it because it's, it's not, um, it's not a legally sound of me to make, to give medical advice on social media so that I do not do. Um, but I'm quite easy to access in the office. So I'd be happy to see you there. Awesome. Awesome. Dr. Michelle Henry, everybody. I'll make sure I have all of that info in the show notes. As always, stay great and we're out. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Business Beauty Network podcast. Please subscribe and support our podcast. Please share it. Share it with your friends and family. Also connect with us. We want to hear from you. Leave us comments. Let us know what you're enjoying about the podcast. Also email us at bb networkpodcast at gmail.com you can also connect with me on instagram at i am brandy taylor and at exquisite looks we're also on facebook and twitter at exquisite looks and you can check out my website at exquisitelooks.com i really hope to hear from you and connect with you soon remember that all things are possible if you only believe stay great The Business Beauty Network is now on YouTube. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel at Biz Beauty Network. We plan to bring some awesome content along with bonus episodes and our weekly podcast episodes to the Biz Beauty Network YouTube channel. We hope to see you there.